1: Welcome in to the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host, Trevor Allen. As we are just days away now from Utah and Arizona at Rice-Eccles Stadium, kicking off the 2020 Utah football season. We are taping this on Wednesday, November 4th, as we are just days away. Man, I'm excited. Are you guys? I mean, football is back. It's supposed to be cold. It's supposed to rain. Potentially snowing a couple of days later. Arizona's not going to be ready for that. Because it doesn't have that type of weather all the time. Like where it's in the 40s. But either way, we will have football. And I think it'll be a good one. Uh, Coming up on today's show, we will hear from Kyle Whittingham at his weekly press conference on Monday. We'll also go over some news and notes Regarding the football game against Arizona, which will now kick off 30 minutes earlier because of some schedule changes among college football. We'll talk about that here in just a minute, as well as a bunch of recruiting news, two new commits for Utah. Just in one day, they were able to pick up two guys, which is just incredible in this 2020 pandemic um, where they're not allowed to visit schools. If you are out of the state, you cannot visit universities and make your official visits, at least until January of 2021. And then also we will talk to Michael Lev of the Arizona Daily Star, getting a look at the opponent, the Arizona Wildcats. What kind of problems do they present for Utah? And is Kevin Sumlin sitting on the hot seat now? I mean, it hasn't been great down in Tucson uh, over the last couple of years especially since Rich Rodriguez got fired. So I will be curious to know what Arizona will, will bring to the table and what kind of challenges they will give Utah. And then we'll also do three storylines that could determine the winner of Utah and Arizona. So let's get started with the big news coming out uh, on Tuesday that the game was moved up 30 minutes from 2 o'clock Mountain Time to 1.30 Mountain Time. And rather than being televised on ESPNU, where you have to have a higher television package, it'll be on ESPN2, which means that the broadcast group will change. It was Clay Matvik and I can't remember the other one uh, who, who was the analyst. I, I know I tweeted it out, but I'm not going to go look through Twitter. Um, but it is changing to Dave Pash and Mike Golick Sr., um, the former ESPN radio host and now college football broadcaster will be calling the game on ESPN 2 at one thirty. So we get the game 30 minutes earlier. How exciting is that? That's awesome. But the reason for that is on Tuesday, the Wisconsin Badgers continue to have a COVID-19 outbreak among their football team. And so their game was originally scheduled for 1.30 Mountain Time on ABC. But since their game against Purdue was canceled, This week, second straight week that the Badgers will not be playing. That then had ESPN bump Houston and Cincinnati from ESPN2 to ABC in that 130 slot. Now that left a slot open in the 130 slot on ESPN2. And that's why ESPN decided, let's throw Utah, Arizona from ESPNU to ESPN2. And you only change the kickoff time by 30 minutes. And I know you fans are happy about that. Because for one, it's on ESPN2 which is a more accessible channel, and you wait 30 less minutes for game time. So obviously we will have you all covered from top to bottom as I will be going to Rice-Eccles Stadium on Saturday for Utah, Arizona. Some of the recruiting news for Utah, and I know I'm going to butcher this name, and I apologize to this young man from Arizona. So early on Monday, Utah picked up a commitment from offensive lineman Zareu Williams. Uh, Williams is a three-star prospect from Mountain Point High School in Phoenix, Arizona. According to twenty-four-seven Sports Composite, he is the number fifteen-ranked prospect in the state of Arizona and the ninety-eighth offensive tackle in the nation. Now check out his his uh, dimensions. He's six foot eight. He's six eight, two hundred and forty-eight pounds, and the thing is. He's very raw talent because he started the year of 2020 with his focus on basketball and just decided to give football a try after talking with a couple of coaches. Then spring ball was shut down due to COVID-19. And so he started working towards fall ball and he wasn't sure whether or not the season would, would take place. And then a few games later, he's getting offers from places like Utah. And that's where he decided to commit, and he announced that on Twitter. You guys can go read up uh, fully on over at kslsports.com. But other than Utah, Williams picked up offers from Arizona State, Boston College, Florida State, Iowa State, Missouri, Northern Arizona, Oregon State, and Tennessee. And he became the 14th player in the 2021 class to verbally commit to Utah. And this is during a pandemic. 14 guys, but that's not it. There's more. Utah picked up a cornerback in Elisha Lloyd. He's 5'10", 175-pound defensive back from Mission Hills High School in San Marcos, California. San Marcos, does that sound familiar? Yeah, Terrell Burgess is from there, and he's now in the NFL. Um, Lloyd is the 76th-ranked prospect in the state of California, number 76 cornerback in the country, according to the 24-7 sports composite. Lloyd was originally committed to Washington State, but then just last week decommitted and decided to join Utah. Other offers, other than Utah and Washington State, Lloyd picked up uh, offers from Boise State, Boston College, Fresno State, Hawaii, Idaho, Idaho State, Kansas State, Lehigh, Navy, Nevada, New Mexico, Northern Arizona, Pennsylvania, Sacramento State, San Diego State, Tulane, and UNLV. And that now makes 15 players that have committed to Utah in the 2021 class. And then one more piece of news. And then we'll get into Kyle Whittingham's press conference from Monday. Uh, cornerback Bronson Boyd has entered the transfer portal. Uh, Boyd didn't officially announce his, his transfer, but Kyle Whittingham confirmed it to the media. Boyd is the third player for the Utes to enter the portal, joining Jalen Dixon and TJ Green. You kind of add it up because on Monday, Utah released their, their depth chart leading up to the opener. And at that right cornerback position, we knew it was going to come down to Bronson Boyd and Clark Phillips the third, but figured they're both going to be playing this year. So then Clark Phillips was then named the starter. And later that day, Bronson Boyd entered the transfer portal. A little bit puzzling to me how he still didn't stay within the program. Kyle Whittingham said that he, he wished that, that he would have stayed, but nothing really surprises him anymore in college football as far as players transferring. So that means that uh, Kane Savage... And Fabian Marks are going to be looked at to uh, back up Broughton and Phillips at cornerback. All right, now it's time for you to hear from head coach Kyle Whittingham as he addressed the media on Monday leading up to the opener against Arizona.
3: Okay, uh, game week finally here. that's uh, a, a relief in a lot of ways for our guys. We've been working a lot of months uh, without any opponent and uh, hitting each other. And tired of that. It's been the longest stretch of my career, and I'm sure everybody's, of practice without playing. And so it's exciting that the week is here. Uh, We definitely need this week of practice, and uh, we're going to maximize the time we have. Uh, We'll be on the field today in full pads. It'll be most likely our last pad of practice before the game. Uh, Tomorrow's off, uh, as per the uh, Pac-12 mandate, and we'll be back at it Wednesday and that will be the normal run-up to the uh, to the game on saturday so guys are looking forward to it they're eager to get going um and uh it's going to be a different game day atmosphere obviously with with the uh, circumstances that are involved and no fans and so it's all it's all continuing to be uh uncharted territory and, and new experience for our guys but uh that's you know, the situation that we're in and so we just move forward and and uh Hopefully, we'll play well on Saturday. So, questions? Kyle, as you alluded to last week,
2: uh, the era of COVID can decimate a positional room really quickly, and we've seen some teams around the country have to entertain a fourth or fifth string quarterback. Who is four
0: and five, in theory, if COVID were to hit your quarterback room?
3: Okay, number four is Cooper Justice, our freshman from Oregon. Who is uh, doing a great job and, and really has shown a lot of promise uh, throughout the, the last several uh, weeks of practice. He's a big kid. He's 6'5", maybe 6'6", uh, 235 pounds, lefty, big arm, and uh, extremely intelligent. So it would be Cooper Justice if we get that far. If we get to number five, there's uh, two or three guys that really we'd have to sort out right now that are, that are not in any sort of pecking order and so we've got one through four and that's as far as far as we've gotten now hopefully we don't have to go that far but but you never know so we'll see see how things uh shape up you know Kyle, most of us in the media haven't seen cam rising except for spring of 2019 i think it was when he played some and we were allowed to go to the practices and since then we haven't seen him play could you describe what his best attributes are okay cam is uh First of all, he's a tremendous athlete. He's uh, he's fast and somewhere in the 4'6 range in the 40, which for a QB is, is pretty darn good. He's got decent size to him, 6'2 and about 215 pounds. Uh, he's got a, a strong arm, quick decision maker, and uh, he's really come a long way since he got in our program. He's done, a, I think a couple of weeks ago, we talked about his skill set and what's changed. He's, he's doing a great job taking care of the football, whereas when he first got here, he was a little bit of a a loose cannon uh, trying to put the ball in spots that were uh, really, there was no play there to be made and and, uh, not taking care of the football, not making great decisions. But uh, what's really improved is um, along with his accuracy. He's he's throwing the ball much better right now as far as uh, completion percentage. We chart every throw every single day. And so he's, he's really, uh, come a long way since he got here. Not that he was not a good quarterback when he got here, but Andy's done a nice job of refining and uh, getting to play within the framework of the offense. And that's not to say that he can't break the pocket and extend the play and make things happen, because that's going to be something that uh, you know is, is valuable to every offense, is, is being able to extend the play. And that's really, to me, a difference maker. And uh, when you're looking at it from a defensive standpoint, you get a quarterback that can do that. It's uh, it's a pretty dangerous situation for you on defense, and and uh, he's got that ability.
2: Yeah, coach. Uh, what does it mean for this team and the offense to have Britton Covey back? And what can you tell us about what you've seen from him behind the scenes this past
3: year to just get back to where he is now? Well, it's huge for our offense. It's huge for our special teams. He's uh, one of the best returns in the nation. At least he was his freshman year, and and. Uh, we expected to, to be very dangerous as a punt returner and kickoff returner. Um, he's completely healthy as far as the knee injury, and we regained his quickness, his speed. He was not himself last year, and that's why we made the decision to to sit him out after those first four games and, and not uh, utilize the year of uh, eligibility. So he was able to get a redshirt year last year, and then of course this year doesn't count. So it's like another, I guess, redshirt year, but. Uh, he means a lot to our offense. He's got a, a role that uh, is significant. Um, he's one of the best slot receivers in the Pac-12, and uh, we're expecting him to, to have an impact on our on our offense in a very positive way. Was that the entire question? Was there something else to that?
2: Uh, I just uh, guess. What did you see from him? What do you
3: see from him this past year? Kind of behind the scenes of the process of getting back to where he is. Yeah, well first of all he's a tireless worker he, he he'll rehab as well as anybody we've ever had here he's very conscientious of, of getting himself healthy and, and it means a lot to him he's a great leader for us he was uh, elected onto the leadership council his uh, teammates really respect him and, and he carries a lot of weight around here with the teammates he's got a great attitude he's always always uh, positive and has a lot has a lot of juice and energy and practice and just one of those guys when you're around him he he uh, He has an effect. He rubs off on everybody else as far as his his attitude's infectious and his enthusiasm and his his passion for the game.
0: You guys just released the first in-season two deep in the middle of the Zoom call and just kind of scanning it. I see that R.J. Hubert is is not on the two deep. Is that an indication that he got beaten out? Is there an injury setback, or should we not look at that too closely?
3: Well, he's uh, coming off that serious injury that he had in the uh, championship game and he's still having some he's not himself yet he's still a little bit off the pace rj's a fine football player and a guy that when he's right he's definitely a guy that's going to help us but uh, right now he's just trying to get back to to uh where he was prior to the injury and it's been a long hard road for him but uh he's still with us and we're optimistic that that at some point it's kind of like britain covered last year a very similar situation other than R.J. is probably further behind than Britain was when he tried to, to uh, come back. And so that being the case, uh, we've, had, we've had to move past him for the moment, for the time being. But uh, I've got a lot of uh, optimism that at some point down the road, he'll, he'll get back to uh, what he was prior to the injury and, and be able to start to help us. again.
0: Just a quick follow-up. Um, at left guard, I mean, at this point, what are you looking for as the game approaches between Keaton Bills uh, and Brayden Daniels?
3: Those two have performed uh, exceptionally well all camp long and all prior to that. And so they've both earned the uh, opportunity to play and they're going to play and they're going to rotate. And as with a lot of the positions, there's a lot of positions you see a starting lineup, but there's the backups are going to get reps and and, uh, we'll see who settles in and, and does the best job in game situations. And so there's a lot of these, ones and twos that are very close neck and neck and, you know a lot of them are listed as or, but uh, some of them that are listed as one and two the two's still going to get reps and, and uh, see how things unfold during the course of, of the season and, and you can play your way into more playing time or less as the case may be depending on how you perform
1: coach has this week's game week feel been different for you especially with 2020 compared to years past
3: it does have a little different feel, and uh, we went through uh, the other day our pregame routine, and and that's had to be changed up because not only are we dealing with uh, you know the 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 COVID stuff and and those restrictions and those modifications that we had to make, but we don't have a locker room over the, over the stadium, and so that's caused us to change our routine quite a bit. And again, I've already gone through that uh, a week or two ago. That we're not complaining about it, but it has definitely made the the pregame routine change and' it's dramatically changed and so we're gonna do a lot of the, the pregame stuff over here at our facility and then arrive at the stadium much later than we used to because of uh, the need to get things done here where we have the better facilities to work with kind of following off Trevor's
0: question you, you obviously have a couple of weeks to prepare for Arizona and be able to kind of ease into them, but normally you have non-conference games before you get into the conference slate. How, how do you prepare differently or has it been different uh, to maybe
2: previous years in terms of your preparation coming into the season?
3: Not much difference, even though you're right, we're jumping right into Pac-12 play without uh, a preseason schedule, but but we don't uh, or haven't prepared really any differently. you got to prepare to play your best and be at your best in game one regardless of who you're playing. And so I, I would say that the big difference in this camp has been the amount of contact because uh, we've got so many guys that we got to get up to speed. And the only way to, to get a, a true evaluation and get them up to speed is with live work. And so we don't feel like we overdid it. We're still fresh. We haven't had, uh, you know, any major run of injuries. It's been about the same as any other camp. And, and so in that respect, we, we feel like we, uh, got a lot of accomplished with the live work and that's obviously over with and hasn't hasn't been any live work for several days now um, but uh, uh, that's, that's been the biggest difference this camp as opposed to you know, trying to get these guys who have never played a snap way right down of uh, college football some some live experience.
1: Kyle, uh, looking at your running backs, Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore, the top of the depth chart going into the game. Um, what what specific things do
2: do each of those players bring to the running game? I mean do, do they bring kind of a different look for a
1: defense to prepare for?
3: They do. And uh, Devin is more of an inside runner. He's, he's our biggest back. He's 215 pounds. He's a physical runner in between the tackles. He's a, a guy that never makes a mental mistake, uh, handles his pass protections and blitz pickups exceptionally well and catches the ball out of the backfield. Well, and just very steady and very, uh, very uh, consistent in this play. Jordan Wilmore is a little more elusive, maybe more of an outside guy, although he is pretty tough in between the tackles he'll stick it up in there. But, uh, Jordan is, uh, Devin's been with us the longest. Jordan is, is a sophomore, Devin's a junior this year. But uh, Jordan has really made a lot of strides since last year. Nobody really got a bunch of work in the last several years with Zach Moss taking the, the vast majority of the carries. But uh, they both bring something to the table, as do the other two. Mackay Bernard and, and uh, Ty Jordan will also be on the field and, and get their reps in, in situations, and, and they have their – package of plays that we're going to utilize those guys. And so it'll be a by committee running back situation, at least early on. And again, if somebody clearly demonstrates through game reps that they're above the other guys, then, then we'll gravitate towards that guy. But uh, right now we, we plan on using all four and uh, we feel good about all. Of
0: them. Hey coach. I don't know if you know, but uh Covey broke the news, you know, that he's actually going to be starting at quarterback on Saturday.
3: You let that out of the bag.
0: Yes, he did. But, uh, he did say that, you know, whoever the starter is, you know, he's been really happy with the reps they've gotten, the chemistry they developed. Is that part of your reason of why you named the starting quarterback, you know, beginning of last week, just so they can get all of those first team reps?
3: Yeah, that's a big reason is, is for the continuity and the, and the, uh, the, just the guy that's going to be the guy working with the ones and the, and the, uh, you know, both the line and the receivers, because that's important is the continuity and the, and the comfort level with, uh, working with those guys and, and uh, so short answer is yes, that's a, a big reason why we made the decision as early as we did. Also, we felt like we had enough body of work and uh, enough to evaluate
1: to make an intelligent decision. And
3: so
2: we'll go to Trevor Allen.
1: Coach, you guys are already facing a talented quarterback right out of the gates in Grant Gunnell. What have you seen from his game and what kind of problems could he create for your defense?
3: We saw a lot of him last year. He's uh, he was just a young guy last year, you know, brand new to the program. He's a year more experienced, and, and uh, he's a good thrower. He's, he's a very capable runner. Uh, kind of like what you saw in Herbert when Herbert was a freshman. He was there's similarities there in, in size and, and style of play. I'm not saying he's he's the next Herbert, but but uh, that type of quarterback and and uh, you know just got ready for. Herbert. For uh, anything, for that matter, it's an opener. Any time you're an opener, there's a lot of unknowns, and you got to you got to have a pretty generic and uh, broad spectrum game plan that, that can handle pretty much anything you see because teams can change a bunch over the course of a year. So we got to be ready for different personnel groups and. And things we haven't seen, and they haven't put on tape in years past. So, so uh, that's going to be a, a challenge, like it is for everybody in the country. And the opener is a, it's a guessing game. And, and uh, but, but him as a as a player, he's he's a very good player, and, and I think he's got a bright future there.
1: And There you go. That was Head Coach Kyle Whittingham talking to the media at his weekly press conference. You guys will get the press conferences every single week, right here on the Crimson Corner podcast. All right, taking a break. When we come back diving straight into utah arizona as we will talk to michael lev of the arizona daily star and i will give you three storylines that could determine the winner of utah arizona you're listening to the crimson corner podcast Welcome back in This is the Crimson Corner Podcast It's powered by kslsports.com I'm your host and youth insider Trevor Allen As we sit a couple of days away From Utah, Arizona I will just tell you Download the KSL Sports app Why you ask? Well, if you want all of the Utes coverage at your fingertips, as well as the Crimson Corner podcast, and all of the latest news regarding your favorite teams within the state of Utah, the KSL Sports app is for you. You can download it. You can download it in the App Store for iPhone or in the Google Play Store for Android. It's just KSL Sports, and you'll get everything you need regarding the Utes. And something else to do as well, uh, especially since fans are not allowed to attend the games, make sure you guys follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and and Instagram, at KSL Sports, and follow me, at Trevor A. Sports, on Twitter. All right, time to talk about the Arizona Wildcats, a team that struggled to end the year last year. They ended the 2019 campaign on a seven-game losing streak, and they get a pretty tough ask to come into Rice-Eccles Stadium given without fans, but to face a Utah team that's pretty dangerous on offense. Caught up with Wildcats beat writer Michael Lev of the Arizona Daily Star. Happy to be talking about an actual opponent coming up for Utah as we preview the season opener. We go to Michael Lev, who is with the Arizona Daily Star. Michael, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. So as you look at this, it's been over 300 days since Utah's played. I know for the Wildcats, it's probably been even longer What is the feel around this team as they're getting ready for this opener?
2: They expressed a lot of enthusiasm during uh, media availabilities on Monday, as you can understand. I mean, they want to play. They're football players. Um, This is what they do. They've been waiting a long, long time. Um, I kind of feel like, in a way, the Wildcats are limping to the starting line a little bit. Um, They lost a couple guys to knee injuries. Um, this past week, you know, they're not like names that you'd see on the marquee. Um, Frank Brown Jr. Uh, was their top freshman coming in, a really fast, explosive running back, would have played uh, a role. You know, I think he would have played a handful of snaps on offense. He would have played on all the special teams units. He's out for a few weeks with an MCL. And then a uh, slot receiver, Jaden Mitchell, um, is out for the season really bad luck for this kid. He uh, missed his senior year of high school in Las Vegas because of a torn ACL. Now he's got one in the other knee. Um, He also uh, had COVID over the summer. Um, So it's just been a lot of bad health luck for a promising slot receiver. And like I said, not guys whose names would appear on the marquee, but there's a cumulative effect here um, that's been happening with this Arizona roster when you combine these injuries with all the guys who transferred over the summer because of the pandemic and and other reasons. Um, They lost their two main starting inside linebackers who are now, you know, playing for big 12 teams. Um, They had Brendan Schooler uh, transfer in from Oregon. He would have played a prominent role in the receiving core. And, you know, when the PAC 12 canceled the season, he and his brother, Colin, uh, they wanted to play this fall. So, you know, they decided to go elsewhere. Um, So it's when you add it all up, that's kind of the the impact of those injuries um, and how that's kind of affected the roster. Um, It's not the very best set of circumstances. However, you know, it is what it is, right? I mean, everybody's got their problems during the pandemic um, and they're going to try to make the best of it.
1: I know that Utah's problems are, you know, not really more of losing players. I mean, they have had a few guys transfer, but uh, one of them is not having a locker room uh, at the uh, stadium because of the of of the renovations over over the stadium, and they've completely demolished the south end zone, which also had the locker rooms there. So we're gonna. Have, well, I guess it'll be interesting to see what they'll do on on Saturday, as far as locker rooms go. But of what we do know is that the Wildcats will have Grant Gannell at quarterback. He's a guy who was splitting time with Quill uh, Tate last year. Uh, it seems like he's got a pretty bright future. What what strides has he made so far entering 2020?
2: Yeah, he made a lot of progress um, over the course of the offseason. Everyone, including Grant himself, has talked about how he's improved his arm strength, which isn't something you hear about that often when it comes to quarterbacks. But, um, you know, he went and worked with Tom House um, in Los Angeles a little bit over the summer, working on his mechanics, um, tying, you know, uh, his lower half to his upper half, um, also, you know, had a lot of time to spend in the weight room. You know, I mean, he couldn't run player-only uh, practices like, like normal. So, like, w- what do you? What's to do? It's like you work on yourself. Um, so he spent a lot of time working on himself. Worked on improving his arm strength. He also, you know, they they had the chance to work with coaches individually a little bit more this summer, right? Because of the the twelve-hour rule that was implemented. So he spent time with um, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Uh, Noel Mazzoni working on his footwork Um, and he's always been a studious um, type of quarterback. Um, He said, you know, regarding uh, election day, you know, everyone gets the day off, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had already, you know, submitted his absentee ballot in Texas, his his home state. He said he was going to spend the whole day watching film of Utah, you know, so that kind of tells you everything you need to know about Grant. He did an excellent job, of protecting the ball last year, uh, you know, nine touchdowns and only one interception. And I think the thing that is gonna change the most dramatically with this situation is that there's just gonna be more cohesion on offense. You know, it was kind of like two not only two quarterbacks last year, but two different styles and two different systems. Um, and it's really hard to play that way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, if you want to bring a guy in off the bench for like a snap, like uh, you know, like a Taysom Hill situation with the Saints. That's one thing, but when it's like a few series at a time and it's two totally different styles of quarterback, I think that's really hard on the offense. So I think everyone is rowing in the same direction this year. You know, whether they're ultimately overall more successful remains to be seen, but I think that'll help.
1: Now, I know that there's, there's a lot of weapons you know, at wideout. They've also got you know, a, a couple of backs. How is the old line looking right now for the Wildcats? Because you know, they're, they're going to have to go up against a stout front on defense for Utah. And, you know, even though they lost three guys to the league on, on the D line from last year, they're still bringing in a bunch of guys, including one guy who's probably going to have a standout year in, in a Tafua. But where's the O-line right now for the Wildcats?
2: Yeah, I think the, uh, the worrisome area for Arizona is its center, um, which normally wouldn't be the case because Josh McCauley has been a, as solid a starter at that position as um, as anyone has in the Pac-12 for the last two years. However, he hurt his knee early in training camp and in the practices um, that I got to see since, I didn't spot him with his position group, which is not a good sign. Um, so his status for the Utah game is up in the air at best. Um, they do have a veteran uh, backup option in Stephen Bailey, fifth year senior junior college transfer who has played in games, but it's a drop off, you know, no question. I think. What will actually help a little bit is there won't be the usual crowd noise. So, you know, there will be noise in the stadium that's piped in, but it won't be the same, right? I don't think that the offensive linemen are going to have nearly as much trouble communicating with one another. I don't think the quarterback's going to have as much trouble communicating with the line or with his receivers and backs um, as you've normally seen a road game. So I think that'll help. Um, they also did get um, some good news during the offseason. Donovan Laie, um, who's a possible NFL player, has started at left tackle and right tackle. Um, he was going to enter the NCAA transfer portal, then decided to change his mind. He's had a lot of personal issues going on at home. Um, his dad died last year, um, and it's just been a really stressful time for him. And, you know, he was kind of torn between Should I go home and be with my, you know, real family in Oceanside, California, or should I stay, you know, in Tucson with my football family? He was kind of talked out of it. He's a big, you know, quote unquote addition to that group. And he'll start at left guard this year um, alongside Jordan Morgan, who um, is kind of a sneaky good prospect um, out of a a town near here called uh, Marana. USC tried to get Jordan Morgan um, kind of at the last minute in the recruiting process. Extremely athletic um, left tackle played a little bit last year. Um, he's another one I think will benefit from you know it not being a true road game. You know his first appearance last year, Trevor, uh, came against Hawaii. Um, I don't know if you remember that Week Zero crazy mm-hmm. game uh, yeah. out in Honolulu. It was a pretty loud crowd. He came in. He was on the field goal unit. He committed consecutive false start penalties. A uh, back to back plays. Um, they turned a, I think it was like a 38-yard field goal into a 53-yarder, which the, which the kicker actually made. Um, but yeah, so centers the issue uh, because of the injury situation. But overall, they feel pretty good about the state of the line right now.
1: Now let's go over to the other side of the ball on defense. You mentioned Tony Fields is gone, Colin Schooler's gone, you know, the two big, big-time players for Arizona. And Utah, believe it or not, their offense is going to be better than their defense. And it, I, I think that that's the first time I can ever say this in the Kyle Whittingham era. So what problems is there on defense? And who are who are maybe some guys to watch for to maybe make an impact on that defense?
2: Yeah, there are a lot of problems. Um, Colin Schooler and Tony Fields combined for, I want to say, 599 tackles. Yes. I don't have that figure in front of me, but I think that's what it was over the last three seasons. Something like 22% of the overall tackle allotment. Um, They would have been seniors this year. I mean, team leaders, extremely durable players. I mean, neither one of them ever missed a game um, while they were here. I can only remember one time when one of them had to come off the field because of injury. Tony Fields had a shoulder uh, issue that caused him to miss part of one game. Um, So, you know, the problem is, you know, they don't have a lot of guys that they can plug in to. Um, what's now going to be a 3-4 base scheme under new coordinator Paul Rhodes. They only have six healthy scholarship linebackers to play those four positions. They were planning for Fields and Schooler to not be here. They have, a, I think, six uh, linebackers in the next recruiting class, but they anticipated them being here in 2020 You know, and making that transition in 2021. So it's going to be really taxing for that group. Um, I would expect Utah and a lot of uh, Arizona opponents to try to come out running the ball to set up play action and really try to exploit that middle part of the field. You're going to see a lot of number eight, uh, Anthony Pandy, uh, another senior guy who had a really good year last year with 66 tackles, primarily um, played at the outside linebacker spot. They moved him to the inside. He's going to be the middle guy now. Derek Morning, uh, kind of a under-the-radar freshman from Texas, is probably gonna man the other inside spot. I'd say the other linebacker to watch is Jalen Harris. People probably know who he is. He's been around for a while. The son of former uh, Chicago Bear and Arizona Wildcat, Sean Harris, big 6'5, 260. Like looks exactly what you'd want a an outside you know linebacker who rushes the passer to look like. Um, but if if I were to, you know point out one position on the team that is you know, unquestionably the weakness of the team, I'd say it's that linebacking core. You know, I think the defensive line is deeper than it's been. It's, it's going to be an improved unit. The corners, the starting corners, at least, I think are really good in Lorenzo Burns and Christian Roland Wallace. Safety is a bit of a question mark, but it's not on the same level as linebacker when you just look at the number of guys they have available and the, and the type of scheme they're trying to play.
1: In, in 2019, they were able to get off to a really good start, but then I think it was, what, seven straight losses to end the year or something like that. But where is this program right now? Someone's done a good job, but I also thought that, you know, the Wildcats were in a really good spot when a Rich Rodriguez was here. Um, it was starting to slope down a little bit, but it, it seems like that they're in a pretty – they're towards the bottom now as far as uh, winning games and things like that, obviously. But where is this program at, and is Kevin Slumman already sitting on the hot seat?
2: Uh, I mean, the program's not in a great state there's no question about it um they've gone nine and fifteen in someone's two seasons. Normally, I would say that that uh puts the heat on the coach right um you're coming off seven and six, you go nine and fifteen, no bowl games in two years, seven game losing streak. I mean it all kind of adds up to you know kind of a make or break year. The issue is you know, can they, literally, can they afford to fire him? Um, You know, they just laid off uh, 21 employees from the athletic department on Monday. Um, Really rough day for, you know, Arizona athletics having to do that. Every athletic program across the country is feeling that crunch because of the pandemic. And I mean, it's going to be hard for them to, justify paying Kevin Selman a 7.5 million dollar buyout which is what it would be if he's fired between the end of the season and the middle of January they could wait till January 15th and it would go down to 5 million dollars but that's still 5 million dollars you're paying someone to not coach for you
1: yeah
2: on the other on the other hand as you mentioned seven game losing streak i mean if they go 0 and 3 to start the season i mean we can do the math here that's a 10 game losing streak yep. you know and you can definitely see a path that happening with the first three games being um at utah home usc at washington um the schedule makers did them no favors um there's no kind of soft opening to the season so those are kind of the two conflicting factors right it's that that buyout and performance on the field and how long will you know fans put up with this you know i mean i think they would like to have fans in the stadium in 2021, like how much interest is there going to be if you're heading into that season with, God forbid, a 14 game losing streak, which according to a lot of the experts, like they don't see Arizona winning game this year. I I don't agree with that, but it's also not out of the realm of possibilities.
1: So as you look at it, where does this game fall as far as, I mean, where does Utah, you know, put, put it, to their, to their strengths and what are some of the things that the Wildcats could do to potentially pull off an upset? Cause right now going into this game, I think Utah is a two touchdown favorite.
2: Yeah. I mean, the last two matchups haven't been competitive at all. Um, Utah has been by far the more physical team. Um, and, you know, Arizona has to a match that physicality in the trenches. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. You can't let Utah just bully you around and B, I think Rankinell has to play a great game, like a near, you know, no turnovers, um, converting third downs, keeping the ball, uh, possessing the ball, long drives, you know, touchdowns instead of field goals, those types of things, and really kind of bank on the newness of a lot of Utah's key players working against them. You know, I mean, you've got a whole new secondary, right? Like not a single player in that group has started a college game. So who knows how that's going to go? Like it might go really well for Utah, but there could be, you know, first game jitters, uh, communication breakdowns, whatever the case might be. You're going to have a new quarterback. Um, you're going to have a new starting running back. Um, and, you know, you never know what could happen in a first game. We've seen it all across college football. I mean, no one expected Penn State to be 0-2 right now. Yeah. Right. Uh, Oklahoma was out of the top 25 for a while. I mean, that hadn't happened in literally like 22 years or uh, something like that. So to me, even though on paper it looks like a wipeout, the first game is probably the best opportunity for Arizona to steal a win out of the first three because because of the uncertainty heading into the opener um, for everyone.
1: How is someone prepping for quarterbacks? Because obviously Kyle Whittingham's kept that close to the vest. He's not even telling us, you know, we haven't been able to watch practices at all. You know, there's, there's three guys. I mean, really it's two, Um, you know, Drew Lisk will be a quality backup, but we know it's down to Jake Bentley or Cam rising. How's Kevin someone getting ready for Utah with two quarterbacks and not knowing who it is?
2: Yeah, they, they have said that they're just preparing for everybody. I thought, um, Uh, cornerback Lorenzo Burns made a great point that you need to prepare for everybody because you never know in this day and age, who's going to test positive for COVID at the last minute or whatever. And there might be a change. Um, You know, I don't know how much film they have on Cameron rising since he hasn't played in a college game. Right. At least with Jake Bentley, you can, you can watch his cutups from South Carolina, but I think overall in this game, Arizona is preparing more for systems than it is. For players, you know, like let's look at the other side of the ball. Um, Utah has, as we mentioned, a whole new secondary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't watch film from the guys that they have. You can't watch film from Jalen Johnson and, and really, you know, try to figure out what his weaknesses are. But you pretty much know what type of scheme they're going to play, what the coverages are going to look like. So I think overall, that's been Arizona's approach um, to this particular game. It's like, you know what you're going to get from Utah for the most part. Maybe they're going to throw the ball a little bit more on offense, but I kind of doubt it. I mean, I think that we know what Kyle Whittingham's teams are all about at this point. I think you're going to get a heavy dose of that um, in this ballgame on Saturday.
1: All I know is that I'm just happy to have football back, to have Pac-12 football back. And, you know, for a while it wasn't looking like that. And, you know, sitting here twiddling my thumbs, wondering what, you know, we were going to do as far as coverage and then having it come back. It's been a whirlwind. But all I know is that it's going to be great to have football back on Saturday up at Rice Eccles Stadium. Are you going to be traveling?
2: I am traveling, and I'm really looking forward to the 46-degree weather that you guys have <laughs> in the forecast for Saturday. What the heck? It's, it's really, really weird like because a it's, going more days.
1: Like, yeah, it's going like 60, 60, 60, and then it drops down right at, right on Saturday to 48, and then it's going to be like 30-something and snowing on Sunday. I think that the weather gods were looking at this and said, OK, let's let's change it up just before the opener. And well,
2: at least go. it's a day game. So yeah.
1: we've got that going for us.
2: And are you, if, I don't know if you're going to be are you going to be at the stadium? Yes, I am going to be there. OK, yeah. there's they're, they're locking us in the press box. Right. So yep. once we're in there, we don't really have to deal with the elements until until
1: we uh, actually
2: leave the building. Um, at the end of the night
1: so yeah they they actually keep it kind of toasty up press box i mean they do have the ability to open up windows it'll be a lot of fun so i will see you on saturday thank you so much for joining me and talking about the wildcats hey thanks for having me trevor and there you go that was michael Lev of the arizona daily star previewing utah and arizona all right here's three storylines that could determine the winner of utah arizona number one arizona's wide receivers Versus Utah's cornerbacks. And I would even add secondary in there. Just as a total. Because if you look at it. Utah's cornerbacks. Malone Montaele, Clark Phillips, and JT Broughton. Have played. A total of 25 games. And that's between Broughton and Mattaele. As far as starts. Zero. And then at safety with Vontae Davis and Nate Ritchie. Since Hubert is likely out for the year. That's. 28 games played, but zero starts for them as well. So nobody in that secondary has started one college football game. And you look at Arizona. You have Booby Curry, Brian Castile, Majon Wright, Drew Dixon, Jamari Joyner, and Bryce Woma. Those are guys that Grant Cannell is going to be relying on in, in their passing game. And Grant Gannell is one of those, those pocket quarterbacks. He isn't like Khalil Tate, where he can run. And I, I thought Khalil Tate was more of a running quarterback rather than that dual threat quarterback. And then when Kevin Sumlin came in, he turned Khalil Tate into a pocket passer. Well, Khalil Tate's not here anymore, and Grant Gannell is a really good quarterback. So not only are you going to have to rely on Utah getting any kind of pass rush on Gannell, you're going to need to have the corners making plays. This is going to be a great test for Utah because they're going to be facing a couple of more good quarterbacks, but one in in particular in just a couple of weeks that they're going to need to be in tip-top shape and they're going to have to grow up fast because you've also got the UCLA Bruins on, on a short turnaround on Friday and then you're back at home against the USC Trojans. That's the big one. And then on top of that, you also have the Arizona State Sun Devils in week four who also has a really good quarterback. So I think that this test on Saturday is going to be big to see what this cornerback group can do for Utah. So that's number one. Number two, and I know people say it all the time, but this really means something in this game. Battle in the trenches. Particularly on Utah's defensive line versus Arizona's offensive line. As Michael Lev said earlier, one of the question marks is at center. And then you have Utah's defensive front that has probably one of the best tackles in the entire Pac-12 in Vianne Mawala. He's basically a mold of Leckie Foto. With that 6'6 build. 323 pounds. And Whittingham has said that he is. If not one of. He is the best defensive tackle in the Pac-12. So look at that matchup. Because the center is lined up right in front of Vianne Mawala. Look for him to have an impact on, on that pass rush. And to be able to stop the run as well. Because they have a couple of good backs in Michael Wiley and Gary Brightwell. But if you're able to get some pressure on Grant Gannell, that is going to help out the cornerbacks immensely. And that is what Kyle Whittingham said, is that they're going to have to rely on on pass rush to be able to fluster the quarterback, flush him out of the pocket, and force him to make ill-advised throws. I think that Utah is well-equipped up front to be able to accomplish that. And then number three, shaking off the rust fast. Uh, Brant Keithy told us on Monday that It's going to be a very slow start for them. They haven't played in over 300 days. Played an actual game. Their last game was the Alamo Bowl back on New Year's Eve of 2019. And we're in the first week of November. And they would even have a spring game on top of that. Normally spring games help, but not in this case. So I want to see how they shake off the rust and how fast they do it, especially with a new quarterback. Regardless of whether it's Cam Rising or Jake Bentley. And, by the way, we won't know who that quarterback is until you do, which will be the first offensive drive on Saturday. But can they shake off the rust fast? Can they get the run game going? And then can they also open up play-action pass and get some plays downfield and keep on moving the sticks and making big plays on offense? And then on defense, just keep everything up front and make sure that you are tackling properly. Because one of the things of shaking off rust is, is tackling and you've actually seen it all around the country. And just being physical. That is what Utah football's identity is, is being physical. So prediction now. I think Utah is going to win this game. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough sledding at first. But then I think that, that the offense is going to get in a groove. And some guys are going to be making plays. So I think it's going to be 35-14 Utah. And they'll be happy with that, I think, going 1-0 heading into UCLA on, on a short week. That will do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at KSL Sports and at Trevor Sports on Twitter. We'll have all of your coverage of Utah and Arizona on those channels as well as at kslsports.com. Talk to you guys next week for a full recap of Utah and Arizona. This has been the Crimson Corner Podcast.